Welcome to Music Meditation. This is your brain on bass. More information on podcast topics can be found at www.musicmeditation.ca. I spent the first 20 years of my life avoiding conversation. It wasn't that I didn't like people, I stutter. School was traumatic, speech classes were ineffective, and although most people were understanding and supportive, there were many awkward moments. French was a challenge. For example, il n'y a pas de problème was a showstopper. And word substitution figured prominently, like swapping your majesty for sir in a lengthy grade nine history reading. A simple conversation was a minefield of potential dialectic disasters, all word options weighed and rated for producing the minimal societal impact. If nothing else, it was certainly a cerebral exercise in organization and creativity. In non-stuttering, normal speech, PET scans, that's positron emission tomography scans, show that both hemispheres of the brain are active, but that the left hemisphere tends to be more active. By contrast, people who stutter yield more activity on the right hemisphere, suggesting that this activity might be interfering with left hemisphere speech production. Much evidence from neuroimaging techniques has supported this theory. This may be true. The increase in damage control activity in the creative right brain may overwhelm the functionality of the left brain. I, I don't know. I do know that in certain situations, and not all of them public speaking, my delivery of coherent and logical speech can be spontaneously interrupted with an internal electrical storm that overwhelms all of my senses and grinds my thoughts and any hope of recovery to a halt. Interestingly, I never stuttered while performing music. I began playing clarinet at age eight, and by the time I was 13, I had performed with a few local bands. I never missed a downbeat. Even singing O Canada or God Save the Queen during morning ceremonies at school, I never stuttered. Music was definitely a safe place for me. Stuttering has been compared to the structure of an iceberg with the visible and audible symptoms of stuttering above the waterline and a broader set of symptoms such as negative emotions hidden below. Feelings of embarrassment, shame, fear, anger, and guilt are often a result of the inability to communicate clearly. This, of course, leads to increased frustration, tension, and effort, which further exacerbates the stuttering. A common end result is self-imposed isolation. With time, continued exposure to difficult speaking experiences may crystallize into a negative self-concept and image. Stuttering is sometimes seen as a symptom of anxiety, but there's no correlation in that direction, although the inverse can be true, as social anxiety can develop as a result of stuttering. A long time ago, a doctor suggested that I might have a tick disorder. Although it was news to me, it was not news to my young family subjected to my endless fidgeting, clicking of pens, bouncing knees, wobbling feet, touching of surfaces, reciting expressions from my favorite television shows or comedy albums, and the myriad of distracting and repetitive motions associated with the condition. This behavior, called stimming, is a self-stimulating coping mechanism. 
As I became more aware of my tics, I realized, to my horror, that I was powerless to control or stop the inevitable onslaught of motion and noise, in spite of my most concentrated efforts to remain still or silent. My experience with meditation over the years provided me a framework to help me cope with both my stuttering and tic disorder. Although definitely not a cure, I was better able to control the noise both inside and outside of my head and calm myself enough to get through the day. It wasn't until I began my graduate work in music studying the effect of music on the brain that I started connecting the dots. As I dug deeper into studies in creativity and improvisation, I saw how patterns of behavior formed predictable patterns of brain activity. Driven by the enormous influence of music and meditation in my life, my earlier research into stuttering and tic disorder dovetailed into a focused analysis of my own mental health. Stuttering and tics are two of the many common variants found in autism, Tourette's, OCD, and ADHD. Autism Spectrum Disorder, or ASD, presents itself with persistent challenges in social interaction, speech and nonverbal communication, and restricted repetitive behaviors. I highly recommend a YouTube series called Asperger's from the Inside, hosted by Paul McAuliffe. Paul, an engineer by trade, was diagnosed with Asperger's at age 30 and works helping others with autism understand and cope. There is no cure for autism, and it is best discovered early in life, primarily because treatment involves consulting young individuals in the do's and don'ts in relationship management and career options. Paul states that diagnosis later in life is less important as much of our behavior and life options are established. That is, we have become what we are. He states that the revelation of diagnosis is in looking back at awkward life situations and being able to reframe and, understanding the, and understand the events with the knowledge that your behavior was what it was and what it had to be. Autistic behavior cannot be controlled, and in fact, the deep exhaustion associated with autistic individuals trying to conform to sociably acceptable behavior, a process called masking is profound and well documented. Acceptance of one's own autism is a hugely liberating and self-forgiving experience, and Paul speaks of the floodgates of emotion typically released on acknowledgement. I am clinically what would be described as neurodivergent as opposed to neurotypical. In a perfect world, neurodivergent issues are identified and dealt with at a very young age. And in adults, especially ones as old as me, the official diagnosis of which mental health issue, such as ASD, ADHD, OCD, or Tourette's, is more for personal discovery than prescription. Besides a few obvious external markers, such as stuttering or tic disorder, mental health diagnoses are often based solely on a collection of personality traits, such as poor communication skills, social awkwardness, distractibility, and chronic depression or anxiousness. My list of neurodivergent attributes is long, and I may have any of the aforementioned conditions, including ADH or Asperger's syndrome, which is located at the mild end of the autism spectrum. Whatever. It really doesn't matter. 
What does matter is how music and meditation influenced my condition and my life. This podcast, as you may have guessed, has gotten personal. We will continue examining the position of music and meditation in health and well-being. The next episode is about autism, meditation, and stress.